You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! This is Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And uh, I'm joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus, who is also on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2-7 to with G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday. Uh, Brian, how are you doing today? I am doing very well, Robert. Thanks for asking. Appreciate that. We're recording this, of course, uh, on the evening of 4th of July because, again, as we mentioned the other day, no days off, Brian. No uh, days off. We don't take days off, so we're here even on, well, on the 4th of July holiday. Wait what? a minute. I have to say something. I have to be yeah. honest here. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to be honest. In the NFL, when you work for a team, there's only really two holidays you celebrate, Memorial Day and 4th of July. Those are really the only two days you get off. Every other time, you know, when we get going this year, you and I will be working Labor Day. We'll be working, you know, Thanksgiving. We'll be working Christmas. We'll be working New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. We'll be working. But, yeah, it's funny because it, – but also, though, when you work with a team, when you get past the 4th of July, like tomorrow, the realization will set in that in three weeks you're going to go to camp. It's I mean, time. it's no longer, oh, we've got – you know, we've got three months. We've got, you know, five months. We, you know, once you get past that 4th of July, it's you're now thinking about how much you're going to have to pack your desk up to go to Oxnard. And and you know what? It's not a terrible thing to think about it that way. Well, so while we are here on uh, – it's it's the sun is still up. It's the evening, but the sun is still yeah. up. Or, or is the plan what? Fireworks tonight? I got. We're going to have to track down fireworks with the kids tonight. We still have not figured out where. We may just drive around in the park somewhere when we see explosions in the sky. But uh, what's it? do you yeah. have a set plan here tonight, Brian? Are, you're in the Plano area? Where are Flower you? Mound. Where are Flower you? Mound. Flower Mound. Okay, you got fireworks in Flower Mound, I know. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here in Grapevine, Texas, but and we have them at the lake. But Gina Miller, our buddy, uh, you know, who yeah, used, used to, to be at CBS a broadcaster 11. worker, or, mm-hmm. you know, Channel 11, Channel, she's been all over. Gina works with FC Dallas now, the soccer team, and she says their fireworks show after their match tonight against Miami. So if you're in the Frisco area, 
that you can maybe park on the other side from a from the soccer stadium. I think it's Toyota Stadium over there, and catch you some fireworks. She says their fireworks show is incredible, but uh, I guess people are probably not tuned in to listen to you and I talk about. Fireworks. Well, no, and I, I was I was gonna say uh, if you if you download this I know podcast, too much. It, it, I know it, too much well, about fireworks. Well, and, 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 you know it'll it'll debut tomorrow. So if you went to the show yeah. in Frisco, uh, it's not like we're giving you advice to go there now because you're not gonna hear yeah. it until after the fireworks. But you know, let us know how great they were, uh, Brian. You know, I got to be honest, and I think we've talked about this. This is like you mentioned. This is the last holiday of the year for NFL yeah. people. And it's one of those things where, like, it's it's a real dead zone, uh, uh, honestly. And so we start talking more about just less about news during this period. We're going to be talking more about just kind of, you know, philosophical dis- discussions or, you know, topics of interest of like, hey, let's project out this. And I know one of the things you brought up before we started today, and I want to dive into this, is the idea of, you know, the Cowboys, I think people clearly agree they didn't get better on a talent front. Um, you know, if, if anything, they stayed net neutral benefit. But if, you know, I think a lot of people believe they took a step back. And so because of that, I mean, they're really, in order to take the next step, in order to just even repeat as NFC East Division champions, which a team has not done in 18 years now, uh, what they're going to need to do is have guys step up and, and play either above their head or, or play to their capacity. I mean, I know we talked last week a little bit about guys that could be poised for a breakout year, but more specifically, we're going to talk about in this first segment, uh, guys who who the Cowboys need to be great. Um, you know, I think that you know, while it's, it's great if you can get Ezekiel Elliott to have a great season, I don't think the Cowboys' success is dependent on Ezekiel Elliott being great. Um, whereas, you know, there are a couple other positions where it's like, you need to be great for them. You need to be playing pretty close to your maximum And the first guy that I'm going to go to is, I think, the obvious one. Uh, If you want to take a step up this year, you need Dak Prescott to be great for 17 games, and he can't just be first-half MVP and and second-half throwing the ball right into the gut of Cole Holcomb. Yeah. No, I I think you're right about that, Bobby. I mean, to me, you know, if you said, can Dak be – does Dak need to be great or can he be good? And I I think with your quarterback – you always need him to be great. You know, the, the you know, we, we've seen throughout the, in the last several years how these quarterbacks matter. I mean, it matters when we get to the playoffs. It, you know, they're, they're the ones that are uplifting the players around them. You know, they're the ones that are bringing the receivers up or they're bringing the defensive ends up or they're bringing, you know, by their play. Uh, you know, so – I think clearly Dak Prescott, you know, he – and it's not because of where Dak Prescott's paid on the salary scale. It's just that, you know, they they need him. They need him not to – you know, they need him to make quicker decisions and and, and, and be more, uh, you know, more willing to to run or to, to make a throw into a tight window or, you know, I mean, they, they need him to – to be great. And for, you're right. For eight weeks last year, Dak Prescott was great. And then things started to kind of fall apart. And then Dak Prescott became good, you know, and then, you know, that they just couldn't carry the momentum. If Dak Prescott would have been great, you know, you know, maybe this team would have won a first round playoff game and then, you know, and challenged in some other games. But 
I think your quarterback always needs to be great. I, I think the players around him, when you talk talking about that the team is like at a net, you know, net zero as far as talent acquisition, you know, they're going to need Dak Prescott to be great because they're going to need him to, to be able to uplift some receivers that are going to be, you know, clearly, uh, you know, clearly getting some opportunities, some first opportunities, you know, like guys like, you know, with Tolbert and, 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 and others until, you know, they get, uh, until they get Michael Gallup going again. And you mentioned the receivers there, and, and we talk about the net zero benefit on talent. I think a large reason why uh, – one of the big reasons why people feel that way is because they got rid of Amari Cooper, who a lot of people I think we're still really big fans of and believed in quite a bit. And that's why, for me, one of the other guys I think that needs to be great on this football team next season, in addition because it will help Dak Prescott be great, is CeeDee Lamb's got to be great this year. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I, I think you and I probably have the same reasons why. I, I think if you look at the receivers, I think if you, as a whole, um, I think you need CeeDee Lamb to be great. I think you need Michael Gallup to be good. And I think you need, you know, Tolbert to be good. You know, I mean, I'm not, I, the, the, the one that's the furthest one away from, you know, I mean, but we've seen rookie receivers step in and, and be great. We we have in this league, and we talked about that a little bit in the last show. But I I feel like though that for this offense to have success, they're going to need one of these receivers to be great. And if you want to pick, you want to pick C.D. Lamb. That that's a good one to pick, you know. But I I and I and I agree with you on that too. But the other ones have to be good. You can't just have one great receiver then others not even be good. You know, that, that, that I think would be – that would be a problem for this offense because if that's the case, then it probably would make Dak Prescott just good, you know, and yep. you need him to be great. Yeah, and I think for just the stability of the franchise moving forward, you need CeeDee Lamb to be great so that you can have that confidence in him moving forward as like this is our guy for the next several years. So I right. think they need CeeDee Lamb to be great as much about this year as also just – for the future stability of what they're trying to do here. Uh, I think as a whole, they need the offensive line to be good. I don't think you need a great offensive line in order uh, to be a, a winning football team, but you do need a good one. But is there anybody individually? Like, is it one of those things where if they're going to, if they know Tyron Smith is going to get hurt and they know Tyron Smith played as poorly as he did against San Francisco, is that one of those things where whatever availability Tyron Smith gives you, he needs to be great in order for this offensive line to succeed? Yeah, I think it's very, very important for him to be great in those opportunities that he gets. Uh, Zach Martin, we know, is going to be great. Uh, now, if you could get the others to be good, you know, and I mean, that would be that would be the great the, the well, I say great that would be the recipe for them, you know, having you know winning football, uh, you know, moving the ball on offense. You know, you don't need. Tyron Smith to be great, Zach Martin to be great, and then everybody else again to be below average, you know, or not or not good enough. You know, you don't need – and we talked about guys that can maybe step up. Uh, I, you know, Tyler Biotis was a guy that I brought up, uh, you know, last time that you and I had this discussion. But, you know, you need – they need to find some stability at that left guard spot. But if they can get – if they can get Terrence Steele to be good – you know, and, and I mean, good, that I means not a liability, not giving up sacks, not giving up pressure. 
But if they can get him to be good like he was the first six, seven games that he was playing last year, then, you know, this team has a chance at once again to have some success on offense. But as a whole, I think the offensive line, you need two of them to be great. The rest of them need to be good. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I think we saw last year that the the Cowboys were able to succeed with Micah Parsons being great and the rest of the defense being good or just doing their jobs or or, or playing really good football. Do you think that's where we're at again? Or do you think, you know, okay, Trayvon Diggs needs to step it up a level. Even though he gets yeah. the interceptions, he needs to cover better. They need him to be great. Do you think it's as simple as Parsons is great and, and that's what they need? Or is there larger pressure on guys outside of Parsons on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think I think it goes back to, again, what was the success of the defense last year and its ability to, to create turnovers? And they did it. They, they were able to do that. You know, if you think about, you know, Tank Lawrence was not a huge part of what they were doing last year. I mean, he missed several games. Neville Gallimore missed several games. When you want to say, hey, who was great? Parsons was great. I think Curse was great. I think Randy was – Randy Gregory was good. And the others were maybe kind of – I, I, you know, me, I, I love Dorrance Armstrong and what he is. I thought Dorrance Armstrong was on his way to being great for what we had seen Dorrance Armstrong, how he played before. So, yeah, I, I, I think Parsons, I think Curse, I honestly feel like they need Anthony Brown to be great, you know, because you're going to need that combination. And you, maybe even you could say Jordan Lewis or whoever plays that nickel slot corner for the Cowboys that guy needs to be great because again you can't have liabilities in the secondary and I thought Anthony Brown did a great job last year you know with where you know he other than those first two games that first game against Tampa the game against the Vegas Raiders uh, he was a great player for you last year the grades whether you like you know pro football focus those, those services that grade these players you know, they put out, they project those numbers or give you those numbers, and you're like going, man, you know, the the times he knocked the ball down, the quarterback ratings, all that stuff, you know, he, 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 was, he was great. And so I would like to say curse be great, but I also want to say when you start to talk about curse, and Parsons, I think you need Tank Lawrence to be great. I really do. I think you need Tank Lawrence to come back and have one of those double-digit type of a seasons because that will take some pressure off who plays on the right side, whether that's Armstrong or Williams or those guys, whoever, Fowler, whoever places that right end, you know, they kind of, especially if it's Williams, it'll allow him to grow a little bit if you're getting consistent pass rush and run defense against uh, with, uh, with Tank Lawrence. So having him great – I think will make this defense even better than it was last year. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Bell, Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan, uh, along with Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout and also uh, co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Uh, a reminder to you guys, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast and can be found on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Brian, so on the topic of this defense and, and, you know, an offshoot of, I guess, this similar topic about guys that need to step up, you know, we... We've all come to trust Dan Quinn in a really big way. Um, and I think there's a lot of trust for Joe Witt and Aiden Durde and uh, George Edwards and other guys on the defensive coaching staff. But there's a lot of trust for the guys on the defensive coaching staff after the 2018 season, too. Um, when Jalen Smith played really well, Leighton Vander Esch had that dynamo rookie season. Uh, Brian or uh, Byron Jones had had that big-time campaign when he switched to corner and became an all-pro guy. Uh, and I don't think anybody really envisioned that you know, 12 months later, Chris Richard would be pushed out and would not even have a job in the NFL uh, in 2019 or in 2020. Um, so I guess on that topic, is there anything that you feel we need to guard against? We talk about the turnovers and stuff like that, that there may be some regression there, but is there any scenario for you where you think we're coming out of this going, man, that was some fool's gold in 2021 and maybe Dan Quinn isn't this, you know, super fixer, this magic man that we all thought he was. No, you know, to be honest, Bobby, no. I, I mean, I, I, man, they've they've bought, you know, they've bought a lot of trust with me. And this, I, again, I go back and I've said this on 105.3 before during our show. My friends in Atlanta told me they're like, listen. You're going to love every one of those coaches you mentioned. You, you know, AD, Wit, you know, Dan. You're going to love you. They, they, my guys are like, you're going to love all these guys. And, you know, they're they're good teachers. I mean, my guys in Atlanta are basically saying, listen, we were a bad half away from the Super Bowl, from everybody still being here. You know, that that's – it just – you know, it once that loss and then, you know, it was from that point on, it was just kind of downhill – 
But no, I, I trust, I, you know, I trust these guys because I, I kind of feel like you're going to get the best. These guys do get the best out of whether it's, you know, AD on the defensive line with what he did with Dorrance Armstrong. You know, I just kind of feel like, though, look at getting Micah Parsons as a pass rusher. I mean, come on, that's just not – he's a natural athlete and a hell of a football player. But to have the vision and the understanding of how to use him that way, I mean, I, I don't I don't see any huge regression here because I kind of feel like – I feel like the front's going to be okay. I do feel like that they're going to be able to replace – Randy Gregory with a couple of different guys. I feel like they're going to be better at defensive tackle. You know, I do feel like they're going to be better with Jabril Cox coming back and being able to be a part of this. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with Kelvin Joseph and stuff like that. You know, I really, really am. And, but that's trust. That's my trust. Is it going to be the turnovers and all that? Maybe not. But the whole idea of turnovers is coaches put players in position to make plays. And I'm willing to bet that Dan Quinn and these coaches will figure out ways to to put some of these guys in position to make plays. Do you think uh, – I, I think part of what we both heard with the uh, demise of Chris Richard is just the, the coaching style, the personality style, just it, it wore off its effectiveness – and it became a little heavy-handed to some people, I think. Um, do you think that that's one of the main differences, I guess, that that won't be like, – like you can't compare the two because Dan Quinn's downfall is definitely not going to be about culture or personality or anything else because everybody's bought into the way he pours himself into their lives and, and, and really tries to connect with everybody? Yeah, I think the thing that, that Dan Quinn and these coaches uh, have bought – have bought um, the trust of these players. You know, they went in there with the idea of like, okay, hey, we're going to coach it this way. You know, you're absolutely right. I think that what makes Dan Quinn different from many other, you know, from other coaches is that his his willingness to get to know the player that he's coaching, get to know what makes that guy tick. And whether it's music, whether it's uh, collecting stuff, whether it's food, whatever, Dan and these coaches are going to try and find ways to have that connection. And then all of a sudden that connection builds trust. And once you build trust with a player, it's real easy to say, hey, listen, I'm going to send you on this blitz. I know you probably aren't going to get home. You know, I know you probably don't feel like you have the skill, but I'm going to send you anyway because I trust you to get home on the splits or I trust you Jabril Cox to play the run when Daniel Jones coming around the edge on the goal line against the giants. I'm trusting you to be the guy that's not going to get fooled and go flying down inside and allow the quarterback to get around the corner. You know, those are the types of things I think that, you know, uh, you know, with, uh, you think with digs, mm-hmm. you know, in coverage, you know, Witt's telling him to listen, you play this technique and you bail and you turn and you put your eyes here, I promise you the ball will be there. You know, and that's that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, it's not one things because I think it got to the point where, you know, you had Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard, and it's like it's just constant 
you know, maybe Rod was a little bit more of a beat down guy. Chris was maybe not so much. And then you kind of, it was going a little bit back and forth. And I kind of felt like that Chris Richard had a chance to be if Jason Garrett was going to get replaced. I mean, enough players really liked Chris, but, you know, liking Chris and playing hard for Chris and finishing with, for Chris, you know, that, that, you know, that had to be something that, that, you know, needed to be done. And it really wasn't done. And I'm a big fan of Chris Richard. Um, he went off to New Orleans, was the secondary coach. With Dennis Allen getting promoted to head coach there, he's been elevated to, I think, co-defensive coordinator now. Um, so so he's landed back on his feet in the NFL sure. and, and has a good track record of success. So no no disrespect to Chris Richard at all. I think nah, it was, not at all. It was just nah. one of those things where 2019 was a toxic locker room here in Dallas. That, yeah. was, that was a bad year. Um, and I think that's why you saw a lot of people – get blown out in the end but you know you you're talking about the trust that guys have in coaches and that coaches have in the players uh you mentioning you're interested to see what happens with Kelvin Joseph I will say really quickly uh I think that that's where a lot of his issues came down to last year in terms of his opportunities and everything else was just a complete lack of trust and it wasn't just yeah. about the off the field stuff for them I don't think they totally trusted him on the field at times and so no. You know, that, I think that was probably damaged further with his incident this offseason, and, and we'll see if the NFL uh, punishes him for that. Another parallel to 2018 when we talk about regression, and and to be clear, Leighton Vander Esch didn't play up to the level that Micah Parsons did last year, um, but Leighton Vander Esch was a, a all-pro caliber linebacker his rookie year. He played incredible. Um, didn't have some of the same pass rush skill that uh, Parsons does, but played great and then sort of regressed. Is there any concern for you? It doesn't sound like it's there for you with Dan Quinn and the defensive coaching staff, but do you have any concern about Micah Parsons taking a step back? Or maybe Micah Parsons playing as well, or, or maybe even better, but maybe the statistics aren't there. Maybe he doesn't get up to the same sack numbers. Do you have any uh, concerns about that heading into this season? I'll say this about Leighton Vander Esch, and it's going to sound terrible because and, – and I'm not trying to slam his former teammate – but there was a lot of time where Leighton Vanderesh was having to cover for Jalen Smith, you know? And I think that, I think that honestly, I think that made Leighton Vanderesh not as good of a football player, you know, when he was having to cover or he was having to be in position or maybe he was worried like, okay, I'm not, you know, and, and I'm making it sound like I'm slamming on Jalen Smith, but look who they moved on from. They moved on from Jalen Smith. Yep. You know, they moved on from him. So you could say, well, it was the contract and all that. No, it was the play. But there was also that side where others were having to cover for Jalen Smith, you know, and it, it became a problem. And look what with Leighton Vanderesh, what he was able to do last year. There were several games where he had double digit tackles. You know, he quietly quietly went about his job, you know. And it was, I said this before, this is one of those sneaky signings that when you look back on it, you're going to say, man, you got what you, you got it from, you got it this year from Leighton Vanderish. Now, the questions about the neck, the back, all that stuff, you know, I mean, it, that those are for real things. But when Leighton Vanderish was on the field last year, he was not a liability. But I, but when he was on the field with Jalen Smith, year before, he was a liability, and maybe that had to do with he was having to cover for Jalen Smith as well. Uh, one more question on this topic before we uh, transition over to some uh, listener questions. What about, again, you talk about 
J. Ron Curse playing really great. You sound, you sound pretty confident that Leighton Vanders will step up this year. You don't sound like you're mm-hmm. concerned about Micah Parsons regressing, Dan Quinn, any of that stuff. No, any no. concern for you that uh, J. Ron Curse was any a, a sort of flash in the pan? Or do you think last year was just that's the first time he was given the opportunity and put in a position to succeed, and we should continue to see that? Yeah, I mean, what, the guy missed three tackles last year? Yeah, he was great. The most reliable tackle, tackler on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's I, you know what? I To me, I don't – it wasn't one of those things where he got a huge contract or anything. He got compensated, you know, well. But for how he played, I'm surprised another team didn't, you know, and maybe people know something I don't know. But honestly, this time last year, if we were doing this show and you said – J. Ron Kerr's chance to make team, I don't think I would have been like upbeat and positive yeah. and all that. And you watch him play, you watch him play, and you're like going, well, well, damn, he's always in position. He makes tackles. He knocks balls down. He can intercept a ball occasionally if he has to. I mean, he's one of these guys that there was ever a perfect scheme for him to play in. Dan Quinn's running it for him. And so I think that's where. I don't see regression. If if we start seeing uh, curse miss tackles, then it's regression. You know, if you all of a sudden it's like, well, damn, that was an open field tackle he would have made last year. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Then it would have been like, okay, there's the regression. But I kind of feel like they need him to play great again on defense because he does so much. Him, Micah Parsons, they do so much on defense. You know, they play great. The defense is better. You're listening to the Love of the Star. I'm Bobby Belt from 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, joined by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. Uh, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast, and it can be found on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's uh, transition now over to your Twitter questions. We're getting a lot of these now, and you guys have been asking some really great questions over on Twitter for the, this mailbag segment. And I know, Brian, this is your favorite part of the show. We get to to address the things that uh, are bugging the fans. And and this one is always, you know, the, the, this is a name that you're always going to hear asked about. Uh, but A.J. Navarro is asking, any truth to the Julio rumors? And I, I I don't know that they're Julio rumors as much as it's just there's betting odds out there and the Cowboys are one of the top favorites. Probably because people look at it and go, they didn't get better at receiver. They lost to Mari yeah. Cooper. It's just Vegas hedging a little bit. Uh, but personally, I, you know, without having – been told flat out like no no interest in Julio at all it just doesn't strike me like the move they'd make especially while their whole issue right now through uh these OTA and minicamp practices were like we need to get healthy at receiver and I think the last thing you'd want is somebody who honestly has more frequent injury issues than Tyron Smith and Julio Jones yeah it's a really great name and if you go back and you can YouTube highlights all you want and see some brilliant play from a you know a guy at one time was one of the best in the league and you know nobody over at the Cowboys has told me Bobby I don't know maybe somebody who's told you you know no on Julio Jones I will say this though I kind of feel like the first week of training camp maybe the first 10 days of training camp they're going to evaluate where they're at at wide receiver Mm -hmm. and maybe it's going to take the Denver Bronco uh, preseason game one to kind of figure this out but if they go out there and they don't feel like that they're going to have their receiving core in the right shape going into the season, I would not be surprised to see them make a move. Now, is it pick somebody up off the street? 
Is it trade for somebody with surplus? I, I But the one thing that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have proven over the years is they will allocate resources, whether it's cash or picks, to get wide receivers. You know, that's one thing that does not give Jerry Jones any sleepless nights. So if they, if you and I are watching practice and all of a sudden it's like none of these receivers are stepping up and we're starting to hear word that Michael Gallup isn't going to be ready for three weeks and all that, you know, or Washington's falling by the wayside or Noah Brown's not doing anything, you know, or Tolbert's really, really struggling and he can't stay healthy in practice, I have a feeling they'll go out and get a receiver. Now, whether it's Julio Jones, uh, I don't think so. We'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went and made a deal for a guy if they had to. Brandon asks, name one starter on each side of the ball that should be pushed with competition to evaluate their role. He says, I'll start. Jalen Tolbert, they need to find out what he can do ASAP. And Neville Gallimore, because it's time to uh, emoji or get off the pot. Yeah. Uh, and so my name's here. I, I mean, honestly, I'd, I am interested in giving Matt Farniak a chance to push Tyler Biotish. And I think that they are, while Biotish is, is a good player, I think, I think that he does have some limitations, uh, specifically in, in the pre-snap quarterbacking of the line. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, I'd like to see a really robust, open competition at corner. You know, find out what you have in these young corners that you've picked and and determine if, you know, hey, it's time to move on from Jordan Lewis or we've got a better option than Anthony Brown. So, in general, I would just say the cornerback room as a whole and then your center at Tyler Biotish. Uh, what side of the – what positions would you be looking at there? Well, I'm going to look at that left guard spot because, again, you know, you drafted Tyler Smith, you know, and in and, and the, and the OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that, you know, it was Connor McGovern. I, I think that this is this is just – fascinating to me that Connor McGovern got opportunities to start last year and then was once again replaced and then put back in the lineup again, you know, and then they drafted a guy that they said, well, he's going to play on the left side. He's going to play guard. He's going to play tackle, you know, whatever. I I'm, I'm man. It's kind of like the three technique thing to me, you know, why are you moving guys or, you know, to why why you moving Chauncey Golston to three technique? Do you not trust the defensive tackles? You don't trust those three technique tackles. So I think that I think those are the two spots: left guard, three technique. Tell me what's going on at those spots. Maybe that's where you know the whole thing with his question about was with Neville Gallimore. Yeah. But I, I I agree. I agree, and I, I like what you're saying. I, I like what you're saying about that about that corner spot because. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, right now we haven't talked a bunch about Deron Bland very much or anything no. like that. But we haven't talked about – I know your guy – your guy Isaac uh, Taylor Stewart. Isaac Taylor Stewart. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked a lot about those guys, but maybe we'll get in camp and we'll be doing these shows and it's like, oh, hey, they got this guy. It looks like, boy, this guy's having a good day. And, you know, all it takes is putting together – two, three really good weeks if you're an undrafted guy or somebody like that or, or, or just a, a veteran guy who's been in the league for a couple of years on practice squads to push for a roster spot if you show up. Yeah, and I do think that – in fact, I know they're they're really encouraged by Deron Bland and the way he yeah. looked in some of these practices. So I do think they are encouraged by him. Nashawn Wright's been banged up. Um, he hasn't really gotten a chance to practice the way they wanted to. And obviously, 
uh, there are so many layers to the Kelvin Joseph future and and mm-hmm. what things mean there. Um, I honestly, I think if they felt better about Kelvin Joseph, I think they would have moved on from one of Anthony Brown or Jordan Lewis this offseason. Yeah. And the fact that they did, I, I think, is an indictment uh, on that front. Um, okay, uh, we get a question from uh, the Pragmatic Vetter who says, will Pollard be the permanent third down back? Which I think is funny because it, it seems to insinuate that, you know, Pollard was their, their main guy or, or was getting a lot of that, and is that just going to be what he's limited to? Or maybe he's asking, will he move into that role? But last year, uh, I want you to just guess for me, Brian, how many carries do you think Tony Pollard got on third down last year? I'm going to say it's less than 20. You'd be right. He got eight. He had eight yeah. carries on third down. Well, I was thinking, I was trying to think of maybe one or two a game, but yeah. Okay, this is the problem. Permanent third down back. Permanent third down back doesn't always get the ball thrown to him or handed to him. Yeah. You know? Permanent third down back picks up blitzes. Okay? That's the problem. If you're a third down back in the NFL, yeah, they hand you the ball very rarely. They, they sometimes throw you the ball on screens. But there's a lot of times, too, where you're picking up blitzing linebackers. You're picking up stunt defensive ends. You're picking up safeties or corners coming from. If you can't do those things or are not capable of doing those things, they're not going to put you out there. That's why they don't take Elliott off the field all that often. Yeah. Because at least he steps up and hits guys. Now, there's been some times where he's been smoked, too. You know, yep. they got run over or knocked aside or whatever. But to be the permanent third down back, watch blitz pickup ratios, and those third down backs are the ones handling all that. They're just I, I wouldn't be surprised if if you talk about Pollard coming into the game and with Elliott there as well, and him taking out a tight end or taking out one of these receivers. I could see him doing that. I would, and we did not see a lot of this at OTAs or minicamp, so I'm not tipping anything. If you're listening, Cowboys PR, I'm not violating any rules because I didn't see this. Uh, it's just more my my thought process. I feel like with CD going outside, Gallup likely playing a lot outside, and some of the uncertainty at the, the third position, um, and, and with Tolbert and Washington both being able to play some outside receiver in, in addition to playing some inside – I think that you are going to see a lot more Tony Pollard lining up in the slot as a receiver. I think there are going to be ab- absolutely times where he's playing basically the the slot receiver position. I, I'm talking about not just in third down situations where they're spreading the field. I could see scenarios where they are lining up on first down and he is lining up in the slot, not being motioned out there and just standing out there and taking the reps. I mean, personally. No, I think you're right. I mean, because, again, permanent third down back picks up blitzes. Tony Pollard... Not that Ezekiel Elliott's the best at it, but he picks it up better than Tony Pollard. He, he, uh, and last year he got a little – he had more problems with it than he had in the past. But, yeah, he, Zeke used to be very, very good at it. Um, and yeah. I think he, I think he's still better than league average. But, yeah, he's not, he's not quite been the same doing that as he had in the past. Similar offshoot from that question. Brent is asking, do you envision Zeke still getting the lion's share of carries this year circa first half of 2021 – or more of an even split with Tony Pollard. I just don't believe that as long as Pollard and Zeke are on this roster at the same time, that Pollard will ever get the majority of the snaps. No, and and I think no. both are probably entering their last year with the Cowboys. And so I, I don't think we're ever going to see Tony Pollard as a full-time running back here in Dallas. 
2023, get ready for Tony Pollard ending up at Miami or, you know, one of these other places, you know, uh, Carolina, I don't know. I mean, Carolina, they've got the, you know, they've got the, the back there. Watch them go to San Francisco. I, I just, watch, watch, I, you know, watch. I just don't think that, you know, everybody's like thinking, oh, Pollard, 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 Pollard. I, they haven't proven that to me yet. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it would have to be, it would have to be something that shocking that they would put Pollard in and let him have more carries than Zeke. It, it's just, it would be shocking to me. It would be. I did. I'm telling you, watch. He goes off to like Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, San or one Francisco, of these Rams. Well, Rams got rid of, but Denver. I mean, you know, he'll end up some Green Bay somewhere. No, well, figure it out. he's going to be one of these guys that he gets used, and everybody's going to go. Ah, told y'all that'll be one that the fans were right about when he gets sure. used more prominently sure. elsewhere. Uh, Stargazer is asking. Why are the faults of Kellen Moore not being discussed via local radio, national radio, in the front office more? But Mike McCarthy has to do something no coach has done in 26 years after having a 12-5 season. I do think I think there's been a lot of criticism of Kellen Moore, uh, especially much more than is normal for what was a number one ranked offense, and I think it's fair to criticize him on that front. Um, but I think it's just it's probably a little overshadowed by the fact that the head coach is clearly on the hot seat, and that's going to be a a bigger question. But look, make no mistake, I think that if this year goes poorly, they're both gone. Yeah, I th- this guy or gal? I'm sorry. What was it? What was the stargazer? I think it's a I think it's a guy. Okay, man. Every day, I, I, I apologize. Twitter, yeah. they're in their bio. She, her. So that that is uh, she. She says this. Okay. I'm sorry, ma'am. I mean, uh, two to seven every day, Monday through Friday. Bobby Belt's on. What time are you on with us, Bob? Five, five twenty. Five twenty. Five twenty. I mean, we we there's not a day that goes by on our radio show that we don't talk about Kellen Moore and how if one fails, the other's likely to fail, and then they're both gone. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I when I hear that, it makes me laugh. But I appreciate you listening to our our podcast here, and I'm glad you got your question answered. But if Kellen Moore fails, Mike McCarthy's going to have to step in. If he fails, then they're both gone. That's just because if they both fail, then this team's failed, and then you're probably not going to have a winning season. And Jerry Jones doesn't have time for not a winning season. This is an interesting hypothetical from John Nelson. He says you can select any current player under contract and no salary capped impact to play for the Cowboys in 2022. Who would it be and why? So, man, that's a good question. You uh, taking one of those rushers and just putting them at right end? No, or are you taking I, I'm one of these ta- quarterbacks. I, I'm taking. I'm taking. Uh, I'm taking one of these left tackles. Are you that I don't have to worry about Tyron Smith? Um, you know, Trent Williams gets banged up too, but yeah. uh, I mean, would it be center? If you got if you got a real all pro type of center, you really wouldn't take a quarterback, a quarter or a corner, quarterback, quarterback. No, why are you trying to always? Re- you and everybody else are always trying to replace my quarterback. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't take. You wouldn't take like Joe Burrow or. Okay. No, 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 no. Honestly, okay, look. So under this hypothetical, I'm going to operate under the assumption that you're talking about one year. 
and that in 2023 I got to return back to normal. I asked you about defensive so, ends. So give me some stability on the offensive line while Tyler Smith grows into his own. He figure what you figure out what you're doing. Uh, I don't know who's who would we say? Uh, what center? Would, you take would one of these wide receivers. You take. Would you take Chase? I could take a, a wide receiver, but I need to know that Dak's going to have more than a second to throw the ball. Um, okay. So I don't know. I who would we look at here? Uh, David Andrews, maybe. Maybe that's the guy that we'd look at center. Get me, get me like the best center in football, Rodney Hudson, Frank Ragnow. Uh, honestly, just give me some stability along the offensive line. I think ever. I uh, don't you agree that like most everything on the offense falls into place as long yeah. as they're blocking. No, no, you're right. But man, I mean, I. I you always I, I want to get rid of my quarterback when anyway. Quarterback, when I said quarterback, I knew you were going to blow a gas. Because you want to get you, know? you want to get rid of my quarterback, and I'm I'm tired I'm of saying, it, Brian. <laughs> you have a chance to go get one of those top three guys. I, I maybe would look at that. Yeah, it's just I don't know why you're you're just trying to trash my quarterback. You got you and everybody else talking about him like he's like he's Andy Dalton. Remember yeah. all the Andy Dalton's coming for his job. Hey, talk? Initially, <laughs> initially I said defensive end, maybe at right end. I yeah, maybe that's yeah. And then you started trolling me, so I, I see. Uh, and we got a couple times. We got a little bit more time here. Uh, John asks, "What's your projection for Nashawn Wright and Israel Mukwamu? Do you think they make the team? Any chance they can have a dime package role? I love their size and length. So, I think they knew Nashawn Wright was going to take some time to come along, and now he's he's hurt. I don't think Nashawn Wright's in jeopardy of being released." or anything like that. Uh, It's a little too soon for that. Israel McQuamo is a sixth-round pick. I think absolutely could be on the chopping block, especially because J. Ronkers, Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, uh, and then they really like Marquise Bell. Tyler Coyle. Yeah, Tyler Tyler. Coyle's had some good practices. Marquise Bell, they like. Deron Bland, who we've already talked about, they feel he's got some flexibility to play safety. Um, And so... Man, I have a tough time seeing Israel Mukwamu make this team. But safety's, I, I, safety's more likely to be gone over corners because they've got two guys they're really not sure of right now with Kelvin Joseph and then and then Deshaun Wright. So yeah, Deshaun Wright. Deshaun Wright might. I, I don't know. You, you kind of talk about him maybe uh, you know being here, but man, it, you know, I man, that's that's a tough one for me. That's a tough one. I, I just think when you talk about a, a guy they invested a third-round pick in and a guy that uh, I believe Dan Quinn went to go see. Um, and And that was that – was You went and saw Kelvin Joseph, too. And you saw that even with being an accessory to murder, the guy's still on the team. So I think that speaks to how much they believe. But I think that Nashawn Wright, uh, still raw, and I think, you know, if they look at him being banged up this offseason, I think they might give him a little bit of a pass. Uh, but it wouldn't last past this year, I don't think. But I think yeah, they, they believe yeah. in his traits, um, and, and they think that he can contribute eventually. But, yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be a no on Israel Mukwamu. I'd be very surprised if he makes the roster. Uh, but Deron Bland, I think he's got maybe a year left. Uh, all right, well, that does it, I think, for us here on the Love the Star podcast. we got a bunch of questions. I'll probably need to bank some of these for next time because you guys asked so many questions this time around. Uh, but, Brian, uh, I appreciate it as always, and uh, look forward to us doing, again, doing this again on Friday. Sounds good there, Bobby. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you guys next time.